We have always existed, and we are still here. Telling the stories of those slung dead, we won't disappear. We're taking the pen back into our own hands. We live and we breathe and we keep creating, taking a stand. History is queerer than you think. Welcome to the Making Queer History podcast. I'm Laura. And I'm Will. And today we're celebrating Black History Month, which may be confusing for you non-patrons because you're like, um, it's not February anymore. But guess what? Black History Month shouldn't be the shortest month in the calendar anyway. You're right though. And so you just get to celebrate some more amazing Black History. And Black History should be every month. So, you know. Exactly. So... Um, our patrons who get all podcast episodes early hear a two-parter uh, episode on Black History covering some of the people we've actually already done full podcast episodes on before, but we'll dive more into how this is going to work in a minute. Either way, we're going to be looking at Black History, this podcast episode, and the next to celebrate Black History Month with our patrons who get all of our podcast episodes early. If you want to get our podcast episodes early, you also have to become a patron, um, but I think everyone's benefiting in this. Yes. Our patrons are getting podcast episodes early to celebrate Black History Month. Everyone else gets just Black History Month longer. Yeah. And that's honestly non-patrons maybe getting the better end of this. Yes. I'm sorry, patrons. We love you. Um, We promise to make up for it. Yes. Somehow. I will like put another video up of my cats on lens. Yes. So uh, hopefully that can, I don't think that can like equal it. But, I don't you know, think so. I don't we think will keep working enough. on it. We will put like a lot of cat videos. <laughs> <laughs> so um, obviously February is Black History Month in the US. I'm, I think it's in another country too. I don't remember which one. I'm assuming it's Canada too. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know about Canada. We're Canada. Yeah. Our history months are interesting. Either way, it is also Queer History Month in, in the, the UK, UK, which I really love because they fall on the same time, and that means I get to do both of them. Um, so I get to celebrate queer history, which is what we do all year round anyways, and we just get to celebrate uh, Black queer people from our history, which is, again, really interesting and exciting. Really fun. And um, today we're going to be actually going over uh, some people we've already gone over. They've had full podcast episodes dedicated to them. But throughout the month this year, I sort of went through our social medias and was like, hey, how well do you know these people? And a lot of people were like, yeah, not that well. So we're going over them again just to, you know, talk about them more. So in these two, this this first episode, we're going to be talking about Marsha P. Johnson mm-hmm. and Josephine Baker. Yes. And just so you know, uh, the podcast episodes that cover all of the people that we're going to be covering are our old, the old version of our podcast, the one where Grace is hosting, but we want to sort of, you know... Just tread little, over that again. Yeah. Do a little recap so everyone can refresh and listen their minds. Exactly. And uh, the next episode will be on... Fanny and Viola Eddy. Yeah. And Langston Hughes. And Langston Hughes. Two also really exciting things. These are actually some of my favorites of all of our projects, so I'm really excited to go over them. Just so you know, Langston Hughes is actually my favorite poet of all time. Yeah, so we're going to be talking a lot mm-hmm. in these two podcasts. Yeah. We're also, for the Wrecking the Queer part of this um, pod, these two podcasts, we're going to be talking about some of the Black queer creators that exist today. Mm-hmm. And are currently 
making black queer history. So yeah, that's like the layout of these two podcasts. And we're both really excited to record them. And we hope you are as excited to listen to them. Exactly. So what news do we have on the on making queer history front before we jump into the podcast and just like start talking about these people? I can't remember anything. Okay, so uh, just so everyone knows, as of now, uh, there are no longer any calendars for sale up on the site. There used to be for a little while, and it was just like this cool project where we had like birth dates and death dates of all these queer people from our history um, on the calendar so that like once that day came, you could sort of know that and like keep that in your head. Or if there was like a particular favorite of yours, maybe even celebrate their birthday. I don't know what your lives are like. But that was sort of the idea. Uh, it went really well, so we're considering doing it again. I next would like year. to do it again. I yeah. want a queer history calendar. I still haven't gotten Will a queer I'm history so calendar. I'm so sad. Um, I'm gonna have to like order like five. Yes. So I can give it to the people who I've bragged about it in real life, who like are friends. So I'm like, I don't want to like make you pay for my stuff. Patrons and friends are like the only people I like feel guilty about making pay for things. I'm like, how many free things can I give to those two groups? I also get free things sometimes. You rarely get free things, actually. It's true. I get, like, zero benefits. You do. You will have to buy stickers. Yep. It was tragic. Yeah, you had to spend, like, $4. Side note, our stickers are really cheap. I said $4. That's for, like, our big-ass stickers. Go buy stickers. Go buy stickers. They're really cute. Check out our store. We have so many cute things. We have, in general, a lot of adorable things. Shout out to Dean for being great. Oh, yeah. Dean is completely the cause of us having any good things on our store. I think we do this every episode, but um, Dean, you're you're incredible. You're incredible. I, I yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure that's the only consistent thing about this podcast. Like we've changed and grown so much that the only consistent thing about this podcast is that we love Dean. We love Dean. Dean does such a great job. Dean, Dean, for those who don't know, I just think we're talking about some random person. Um, Dean is the editor of this project. Writes articles. Helps with everything. Um, does a whole bunch of work, and y'all should appreciate them because they're doing great work. Actually, thinking of that. Since we're talking about Dean, um, here's some other news from our amazing uh, editor. They're working on the Queer Project of the Month thing, which you all should check out because there's been some great ones so far. Uh, Queer for Career, which is another podcast. And since you're listening to our podcast, you should listen to their podcast as well because it's pretty amazing. And you should check out all of our recommendations that Dean's doing right now. We look at larger projects, smaller projects, same size project as us, and we just go through them and just sort of like show you how amazing they are. And it's a little different from how we wreck the queers here because we actually talk to the creators and we sort of like have a little back and forth. And yeah, it's really interesting. And you get to hear a little bit from the creators and hear how the creators would describe their projects. And not only that, but just like hear them talk about all the amazing work they're doing. So you should definitely check that out because Dean's doing amazing work in that arena. You can find it on our website. Mm -hmm. I believe it's under the banner. That's uh, that's called... Making Queer History Now. Yeah, Making Queer History Now is what the project's called. So check that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, our website in general is where you will find everything that we create. Exactly. If you're ever sort of like, ah, where do I find this? Because Laura hasn't mentioned it because Laura's scatterbrained on the podcast. Definitely just check out our website. It'll be there somewhere. And it'll probably be pretty easy to find, especially since we have the search bar now that I did not integrate and Dean integrated because we needed it desperately. So yeah, website is the hub. You'll find all our links to all our social medias. Mm-hmm. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Website. Website. So definitely, definitely check out our website. It always has cool things to check out. And always new things. We update it incredibly regularly. 
weirdly regularly almost. Also, uh, yesterday I sent out a email for our newsletter and it was super adorable. So if you missed it, sign up for our newsletter. Sign up for Why the newsletter. Why haven't you already done it? It's free. You can just delete the email if you don't care about it. But like, just in case you do, maybe you'll see a, a, a thing that's like exactly up your street and you're like, wow, I'm so glad that I signed up for this newsletter because we do a lot of different kind of things in our newsletter. And you just like get an email into your inbox about queer history and that is pretty neat. That's pretty neat. And you get you don't get it that often. I'm um, doing so much work at this point that you don't get it like, I'm not going to be spamming you. I think the m- most often we've done it is like... Once a month. Twice a month. Twice a month? Twice okay. a month was like the, like, oh, Laura's emailing me all the time. So I think, I think y'all should definitely check it out if you're interested and there are, you get an updates on our project, you get all these different cool facts from behind the scenes, and also you get things that everyone else doesn't get, even our patrons, like just information. Ooh. And you know what? Information is power. So if you want to be more powerful, sign up for a newsletter, go to, and do that on our website. Um, that's pretty exciting. Is there anything else that we are, are doing um, with this project right now? I think that's it. We're no. getting close to the Discord uh, live chat soon. Uh, maybe we'll already be there, but I don't think so. So if you want to be a part of a live chat with us, me, Will, and Dean. Dean, who is incredible. Will, who is incredible. I'll be there. Who's incredible. But either way, you get to talk to all three of us one-on-one. Well, not one-on-one. There'll be a whole bunch of other patrons there. But that's even better because our patrons are so cool. Y'all don't even know because y'all don't have that information because that'd be a breach of privacy. But our patrons are amazing. And you should definitely check out the live chat once it's up. And it should be up soon because we're getting really close to that goal. So become a patron even if, like, if we have hit that goal by that point, you should still become a patron because that's the only way you'll be able to participate in the live chat. If we haven't hit that goal, definitely become a patron so we can do that because we really want to talk to y'all. And I have so many cool things to tell all of our patrons and to just chat about, especially things like, I don't know, a playlist of queer history. I wonder what that could be about. Hmm. Well, you'd have to find out at the live chat. Here's that's our live chat teaser. I don't think anyone's excited as excited about that as I am. But I think you're the most excited. I think it. I might but be the most excited. That's exciting. But hopefully, y'all find that exciting too. And I think that's all we have. That's like new happening. Yeah, I think those those are all of our um, exciting new developments in making queer history. So I think we can jump in. That's like and about talk. Marsha P. Yeah, Marsha P. Johnson, who I think most people will recognize that name. We're starting off easy. Yeah. I feel like this is the biggest name in queer history. Yeah. We're, like, we're, in general. Everyone's like, oh, yes, this Marsha P. Like, you ask people about um, queer history and they're going to be like, Stonewall. Yeah. Marsha P. Johnson. Yeah. We say that, and yet... Roland Emmerich made an entire film trying to prove us wrong. You're right, Trying though. to prove us wrong. And also, like, side note, if y'all are ever at, like, an event about, like, queer history trivia, They're remember gonna... one date. Remember one date for me. One year, 1969. That is the year Stonewall happened. That's the only thing you'll know, and they'll be the first question they ask every single gosh darn time. Every time. No matter if you live in Canada or... <laughs> America or wherever every time and I'm like I live in Canada this isn't the most important date in our queer history but they're always like what 
Like, let's talk about, like, the Pisces bath raid or mm-hmm. something else or, like, the legislations. But they're like, no. How about some American queer history? Yeah. And, like, we've talked to queer elders who were alive during Stonewall and who were like, yeah, we didn't know that happened. We were in Canada. Of course we didn't know. <laughs> but it didn't affect us at all until, like, years after. And people being, like, queer pride started with stonewall i'm like the way it exists now probably like it was a huge development but it didn't like it's not a globally acknowledged truth that stonewall is the most important event ever but it's a incredibly interesting and important event i say this like as we go into like talking about stonewall i'm like yeah it's not that important it is important it's important but i'm just saying in canada there are a lot of other important events. And if you want to learn about that, if you're Canadian, you should definitely book me to speak at your thing because I have like entire presentations on really important events that have happened in Canadian queer history. But that's just me being a bitter Canadian who doesn't like talking about America that much because I'm like, it's okay. Like, they're not doing that great right now. So, like, are they really that impressive? Um, But Marsha P. Johnson was American. Marsha, like, that's the thing that, like, every yeah. time hooks me. I'm like, okay, I don't like America that much. But at the same time, American citizens are sometimes just killing it so hard. Mm-hmm. And Marsha P. Johnson is definitely one of the American citizens who is killing it so hard and and right after we start dismissing stonewall let's talk about how important stonewall was yeah i feel like the thing about marsha p johnson especially the way you see her portrayed in modern media is that Mm -hmm. you get so very much about her mythology but very little about the person yeah you you see all this talk about people talking about her and all this talk about things that are created about her Mm -hmm. but you never really get a feeling of her as a person other than the fact that she's incredibly powerful Yes. And super cool. And I, I think a lot of the work that is done around her, I, I definitely agree with Will, is is mythologizing her legacy in a very specific way that people want to see her legacy. Mm-hmm. In like, yeah, it, it can definitely be used to push forward whatever agenda you have at the time, mm-hmm. while ignoring some of like the realities of her life, like the fact that she was a sex worker who worked with other sex workers and specifically worked a lot in supporting other sex workers, and a person who was not at all and a person who didn't have a lot of the privileges that people don't talk about as often in the queer community because people are like oh yeah straight privilege obviously and like cis privilege but they don't talk about a whole bunch of the other uh, marginalizations that Marsha P. Johnson faced especially around classism and racism with Marsha P. Johnson there were a lot of intersections around that and being a sex worker obviously as well um, she worked a lot with people who also were living on the streets. Um, there were, are definitely a lot of stories about her going down the street, uh, Christopher Street, um, specifically, this is the street we're talking about, uh, Christopher Street, uh, going down and like giving cookies or like food to other sex workers and she'll like spend her last like $5 on like getting food so that like she can share it with other sex workers on the street or the other people who uh, don't have a place to sleep that night outside of the street. Um, and you don't get to hear about that version of her as much as you get to hear about like the radical revolutionary who like threw bricks places and that completely ignores how what she was doing by giving these cookies to people and by like was radical and revolutionary it was just radical and revolutionary in a way that we don't talk about as often it's just activism but a different form of it It, it's yeah it's it's direct action but it's just not the direct action that like queer people specifically highlight all the time it's Mm -hmm. not the bombastic one and the bombastic one is important it's incredibly important to look at the fact that she threw a brick through the window that's 
that's huge. But it's also really important to look at the other things she did and the care that she gave to her community. And like STAR, um, people for people who don't know what that is, that's an organization she started with uh, Sylvia Rivera that looked after um, trans and trans people and like sex workers and stuff and like kept them out of the streets and like tried to keep them safe and just did all this amazing thing. And we're ignoring the long-term work that she did to instead focus on the one event that she was a part of. And I think that's a real missed opportunity Mm -hmm. because there's so much to talk about when you're talking about her life, even though it was shorter than it should have been. She did amazing, amazing things. And some of the most amazing things are the things that we talk about the least. Because I don't know about y'all, but I would love to hear a lot more about like her direct community work that she did both before and after Stonewall. Because there was so much of it. And so much of it was emotional labor. And so much of it was supporting her friends or even supporting people who weren't her friends. And doing the terrifying emotional labor that isn't as celebrated in our community as maybe it should be and doing the terrifying things that are groundbreaking and have made the world safer for everyone else but when she was doing them were incredibly terrifying and do you know what still are terrifying today like like walking down christopher street in full like drag or in full like um traditionally described as women's clothing just like walking down the street like that at that time that was huge it's still huge today it's still a scary thing to do but every time she did it she made it more possible for the person after her to do it and those are the like huge types of activism that we don't talk about around her and we don't talk about like all the really cool things that she did outside of her activism as well like she would sleep in flower beds and like put them um in her hair after like she'd like go and get all the flowers and like put them in her hair and like make a flower crown which seems like an aesthetic that everyone would be really into talking about but i think it's a lot easier to talk about this one big event and I understand why but at the same time I really would enjoy seeing a whole bunch more about her life day to day than I would like to see it more about Stonewall because Stonewall was important but just as Stonewall sort of has become the sun that everyone has to gravitate around when talking about queer history it sort of has sucked a whole bunch of Marsha P. Johnson's life into nothingness because we just we just don't talk about it we don't talk about the things that we don't want to see we don't want to specifically I've gotten a lot of messages around um, her being a trans woman and people saying like oh was she even a trans woman was she even like why would you even call her that? I've actually gotten, this is interesting to me because I've gotten messages uh, from people being like, how dare you call Sylvia Rivera a trans woman? And I'm like, I've never covered Sylvia Rivera. Not once. I haven't even posted that much about her. I'm not saying that I shouldn't. I should definitely get around to that eventually. I'm not really focused on America right now. So it's it's not at the top of my list, but I, I, I'm gonna, but like I've hardly posted anything about Sylvia Rivera but people as soon as I post something about Marsha P. Johnson they immediately like are like oh why would you call Sylvia Rivera chance and I'm like I didn't even do that but thanks but specifically going back to Marsha P. Johnson I get a whole bunch of messages around like why are you calling her trans uh why aren't you calling her trans why did you call her drag queen why do you call her this why do you call her that um and it's really a frustrating thing because it's so clear that we'll want to push forward whatever their version of of transness or queerness is onto this historical figure in a way that we often okay we that's phrased in a way that like we're often criticized for they're like you want to push queerness on this figure 
But I think there's actually a very legitimate root of that complaint of saying you shouldn't ignore the historical realities of a human being to push forward your agenda. And that's what we really work hard to try not to do. And it, I'm, I'm going to try to like explain how it works in Marsha P. Johnson's case. Um, one of the, the messages I, I've gotten a lot is Marsha P. Johnson isn't a trans woman blank, like because of it. Um, one of the ones that's brought up a lot is the fact that uh, she would go by her birth name, not Marsha P. Johnson, and would ask people to use he, him pronouns for her. And people will respond to me being like, responding to the person being like, oh yeah, uh, Marsha P. Johnson, from all that we can see, would have identified as a trans woman for these reasons, da 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 da. Um, and then someone will respond and be like, Marsha P. Johnson would never, like, use he, him pronouns, and how dare you, like, assert that she would use her birth name or like, how dare you assert? And I'm like, both of you are wrong. Go sit down, go sit down. Because the most common narratives around transness as it exists now, you're pushing them onto a historical figure who didn't even have those narratives. They, she didn't know about them and she shouldn't have. They're, there's no way to know about them. They, they're narratives that were forcing upon the trans bodies and the trans people and being like, yep, this, this fixed for everyone, this works universally all trans people are like this and that will always be incorrect no matter what we say after all trans people are like this you're always going to be a little bit wrong and it's really frustrating to see people ignore either one part of her identity or the other part in an attempt to push forward whatever their ideology on what transness is forward so like yeah she used he, him pronouns. She requested for people to use her birth name. She would ask people to. I don't think that affects any thing on what I've already said about her identity and about her being a drag queen, about her being a trans woman. I don't think that changes it. I just don't. I think that people are incredibly complex and transness is incredibly complex thing to deal with already. So you put those two complex things together and the fact that you don't get an easy answer shouldn't be a surprise. But people want that easy answer. They want that really incredibly easy, okay, this person fits into this box, so they do all of these behaviors. Or this person fits into this box, so they do all of these behaviors. But that's just not how history works. Right now, transness has a narrative. And if you look into history, there are going to be people who don't fit the narrative of transness that exists today. But there, that doesn't mean they're not trans. There are going to fit people like there are gonna be people in history who don't fit into anything exactly because things change shockingly things change and not only were there different gender roles but like the gender binary has shifted throughout time but also if you don't have a common narrative then what are you looking to as an example and if you don't have an example of course you're going to turn out differently than people who have an example to look towards so like if a trans person ends up looking a lot like and talking a lot like um, what the accommodative narrative of transness now is, that's totally fine. That's to be expected because they have a beautiful example to look toward. But if a trans person who didn't have an example of transness doesn't fit the narrative of today, that has nothing to do with whether they're trans or not. That just has something to do with whether they had examples of transness that equal our examples of transness. I went on a huge ramble there. I'm so sorry. I think you summed up the most important things to say about Marsha P. Johnson. Yeah, and you didn't talk at all. No, I'm I didn't, so sorry. But I enjoy listening to you, so I think we're set. So that's our quick overview of Marsha P. Johnson. Obviously, we didn't dive into everything, but we're not going to. Yeah, this is not going to be a full 
this isn't a full podcast episode, but we have full podcast episodes on all of these people. So if you want a full overview of her life, definitely check out those other podcast episodes. I'd also definitely suggest checking out the articles and researching them outside of our work because there's a lot of amazing literature on Marsha P. Johnson specifically. As we mentioned, she's well known throughout the community. All right. So Josephine Baker is on next on our list. All right. Well, you go for a while now so I can drink some tea. You know a lot more than I do about Josephine Baker, but I'll do my best. So I feel like Josephine Baker is another one of these incredibly, incredibly complex people in history. Like she was a bisexual black woman who moved out of America and then defined France as her homeland because that's where she lived for most of her life, even though she grew up in in uh, segregated America. Yeah. And also, I just want to add this. I said I was going to shut up. I'm not. Um, I just wanted to add that Josephine Baker is a part of a larger movement there in moving to France from America, segregated America, because there was a huge movement uh, of black people who moved to France if they had the monetary means to, just because they were like, okay, France is a little bit more easy to live in, to be honest. Um, we talked about that a little bit more in Bricktop's episode, because Bricktop was a huge part in that migration movement. But Josephine Baker was one of the people that she encouraged to come to America to experience a little bit more freedom and a little bit more access to opportunity and liberty and stuff like that. And yeah, so she started out uh, pretty young with dancing and singing and she very fast became a a larger icon Mm -hmm. because she was incredible. She did great things. And then she moved to France and she became amazingly famous. And like an interesting thing that came along with her fame is the fact that white women are always white women in a way. I say that as a white person who, yeah, definitely has participated in systematic like oppression. But specifically of this time, white women had decided that they wanted to look like Josephine Baker. Oh no. Yeah. Oh, it's no. exactly what you think would happen. It's actually what's happening currently. <laughs> oh, like it's, no. That's why I said white women will always be white women, because um, you can draw like a direct line from like Kendall Jenner to oh, like no. uh, the women from Josephine Baker's era in that they were darkening their skin oh, no. to look, you know, a little, little bit more... Like Josephine Baker. Like Ooh. Josephine Baker. They, they had specific products that were sold that were like, here, look a little bit more like Josephine Baker. Ooh. But don't worry, you can wipe it off at the end of the night. Oh, so no. So you don't have to... Deal with oh. systematic oppression. So just so you know, just so you know, if you were wondering... Hmm, have white people always been like that? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so you can draw a direct line from that to how Kendall Jenner exists today. And it was just like a huge thing to copy Josephine Baker. Just copy. Just directly copy. I don't think anyone can be Josephine Baker, but okay. Yeah, no one. It was horrible copies. Yeah, no. It was like like deteriorating quality more and more. Like, you know, it was like, well, it was a costume. That's what it was. Mm. It was like this horrifying costume. But, you know, like, it wasn't like one of those, like, amazing cosplayers that exist today. It was like Halloween Town, those Halloween store costumes Mm. where it's like the fabrics crap. (laughs) They give you, like, the, 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 like, the terrible face paint. It's that kind of costume. It was horrifying. So the worst. The worst possible costume. In, like, like, every aspect. It was a terrible imitation. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So I just want to say, it wasn't like they were doing this... It wouldn't be good no matter how what quality equipment they were using. This would be a bad thing. But also, they were not even coming close to reaching any level of like anything really. Alright. They just they just completely it was horrifying. So what we gotta do is throw all us white people in the trash. 
That's mm. the only solution to that. And maybe throw beauty companies in the trash. Yes, with us. As, yeah, because let's not pretend that corporations have never played a role in this. <laughs> because they specifically sold products for this purpose. Just as they specifically sell products for this purpose right now. Right now. Right now. It's happening. So let's just keep that in mind, everyone. Back to Josephine Baker. Mm-hmm. What I really enjoy about her specifically is that not only did she, did she do all these incredible things mm-hmm. and like create herself and a new life in France, a better life. He wasn't perfect. Still dealt with a lot of racism and I'm assuming also a lot of queerphobia. But mm-hmm. she built herself this life. She she loved all these people, these women and these men. She had all these children and she was the gosh darn spy. Yes. And I think that's the best. That's like my favorite part. Every time I read anything about Josephine Baker, I'm like, she did all these cool things, cool things. She was a spy. <laughs> Every time it gets me, it just catches me and I'm sold. Mm-hmm. That, that is just a person who really, really, really enjoys anything that has to do with like detectives and spies. spies. I'm like, I'm, 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 out. I'm ready. Yeah. And also specifically, she was a spy during World War II, just to yes. contextualize that. And I think it's so cool because she used, uh, not only did she like use her fame to like be allowed across borders, she would smuggle notes written in invisible ink in her underwear and she would collect all this intel while performing for, for Nazis. And I'm assu- it's just really, really cool. Mm-hmm. It, it gets me. Yeah. I'm just, I'm ready. Yeah. She would take notes on, on her sheet music. Yeah. And I think it's just so clever the way she did it. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. She was a really clever person. And in cleverness, in, in one of the things that she did, and one of the things that she took advantage of her fame for, was having to do with her family specifically. In that she was, had decided that she wanted to show that people of all different races could live together in harmony. And that's why she adopted um, so many kids and specifically kids from different continents and uh, of different races. I believe she had 12 kids. Yeah, she had 12 kids. And there's definitely something to talk about though in how that worked because she would like invite people to come to their house and just like watch them doing whatever they were doing. But either way, she was definitely really focused on the idea of like different races being able to live together without being horrible to each other. Which is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's, it's good. It's good. We don't want people to be horrible to each other, ideally. But one of the things that she did to support that was definitely take money from some of her patrons and stuff like that, which was amazing because people were like, yeah, we want to see you do this or we really want to see you do anything. So they'd give her money. And yeah, just stuff like that. And what I really liked was that because she became decently wealthy uh-huh. and she used that privilege to, to house refugees and revolutionaries during the Second World War. Yeah. And she would just like take people into her house and then bet on not having her house searched because she, she was famous. Yeah. She performed for Germans. And so they just assumed that'd be fine. That'd be fine. She, she wasn't going to be a problem when mm-hmm. he, in fact, she was probably a big problem for, for the Nazis. Yeah. So I just really enjoy how she... While she had all these intersections of, of, of non-privilege, mm-hmm. she also realized how to use her privilege. Yeah, and the, how her privilege existed. And also, like, at one point, someone's going to have to do an entire, like, book or, like, miniseries or something on all how all these different queer celebrities housed people during World War II. Because yes. there's, like, actually a grand, beautiful history of this. There weren't just queer people. I'm sure there were other people. But I only know about queer people because that's a history that I look into specifically. But I can think of, like, four or five different um, really big celebrities from that time who 
would use their houses and use their privilege to house refugees. And I think that's just like a really incredible thing to have in common with other She also met a lot of women and everyone loved her. Yes. Like Frida Kahlo. Mm-hmm. Like imagine being a person yeah. who has had Frida Kahlo in love with them. Yeah. Like, wow. Um, they've, uh, she also ended up, uh, having a relationship with also Bricktop, who's another person we've covered here. Yeah. And, like, also that is incredible. Imagine having a relationship with Bricktop. Yeah. Like, wow. (laughs) Will's just, like, completely fanning out right now. Yes. Yes, I am. Yeah. I just, I just love it so much. Mm -hmm. And I love how you can see these little threads going between all these different queer people that Mm -hmm. we've talked about and how, like, so many of the queer people that we talk about are, like, connected. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's one of the coolest thing I can think of. Yeah, I definitely agree. And Josephine Baker is definitely a common thread in a lot of different people's lives. Because she actually, was really cool. She was really cool. And she was also like, was in contact with a whole bunch of different people. So if you read through um, our articles of that time, you'll definitely find her name scattered in more than just her own article. Because she had like a lot of contacts and talked to a lot of different people and was like in relationships with different people, like friendships and whatever. But either way, she was just like this incredible common thread throughout that time period. And you can definitely still see her influence in the beauty world as it exists today. Mm -hmm. A lot of people reference her. A lot of people, I think actually Laverne Cox did a whole like photo shoot referencing her, if I'm right. That's really interesting. Yeah. So like her, her legacy is definitely still felt today. Now we're going to move into our next portion, which is called Wrecking the Queers. Wrecking the Queers. And it's Will's turn. Wreck Queers and Wreck Queers. And we're the queers who are getting wrecked because we're all... So, like, this part of the podcast is is where you recommend... Well, where we recommend stuff to you and where you wreck us. So (laughs) if you have something to recommend to us or if you have something to call us out on or just, like, correct... Or even just to say, and you just want us to read it out, just send an email at queerhistorypatreon at gmail.com. That's queerhistorypatreon at gmail.com. So if you're at all interested in talking to us or having us read out an email that you sent in to the podcast, just send us, send it. Yeah, we love hearing from all of you. And actually, we have a couple things to read out. First, an email from Carolyn. I did not get pronouns. Can you all send in pronouns when you do that? So I can just like refer to you in a way. I'm going to use they, them until then. So they sent in. Hi, Laura and Will. Hello. I just finished listening to your podcast episodes about Tamara de Lampica, who our last podcast episode was about. So if you're interested in Tamara de Lampica, listen to that. Did you know that there was actually a musical put on last year at Williamstown <gasps> Theater Festival that documented her life and relationships with what? her model, Raffaella? That's so cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Okay, we'll continue. Discuss. Um, I can't link it now because I'm on my phone, but if you Google Lempika Musical Williamstown, it should come up. I am already there. That's so cool. I'm going to skip the sentence, not because it's not an important sentence, but just because it, like, has a little bit of identifying information and I didn't get, like, a cool to, like, say it out loud. So I'm just going to say the next sentence out loud. So if it sounds a little, that has nothing to do with Carolyn's amazing writing. That has something to do with my terrible editing. So I was very surprised you guys didn't mention it. So I wanted to send it along in case uh, you do more episodes about her life in the future. So we're not going to do more episodes about our life in the future, but we are going to mention this amazing musical because that sounds really interesting. That's really cool. Thank you so much, Caroline. Check yeah. out the Tamara de Lampica musical. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Lampica musical Williamstown. That's what you should be looking up. Lampica musical I'll probably link it. I'll probably link it below so y'all can look at it. Yeah, it looks really cool. And thank you for sending that in to us, Caroline. We really appreciate it. I'm super excited. I'm going to watch it later tonight. Yeah. I'm already there. I don't know that you can. Oh, that makes sense. 
but you might be able to. Uh, we'll find out. Yes. We'll find out for all of y'all so you can know that you can check it out. And we got another thing. Um, this one was a comment on our Podbean. Are you ready? I'm ready. I haven't heard this one yet. This one is on our episode of Gianni Versace. Not enough talk about the subject. Mindless drivel. That's fair. That's fair. We don't talk on subject for a very large portion of almost every podcast. Yeah. We definitely go off topic. Mm -hmm. But if you're interested in looking at podcasts that stay more on topic, Queer as Fact is a really great one to yeah. look at. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of great podcasts that stay strictly on topic and we have no don't. mindless drivel. We just don't. We just don't do that. Um, I don't, I don't know. Like, we keep it unscripted because there are some amazing scripted podcasts out there. So we want to give them the their area. We don't want to take their listeners. We're not in competition with these people we because also, we would lose. We would lose. And we also just like chatting. We like chatting. We're cute. It's, this is like listen in or hang out with mm -hmm. Will and Laura. Yeah, exactly. That's what you get. It's like, you know, those like morning, like good morning America sort of things where like they just like have tea and chat. I have tea right now, except we chat about things that are important. Mm -hmm. So that's all right. That's the first freaking the queers that we've had from, from y'all. Do you feel wrecked? Uh, yeah, I feel thoroughly wrecked. I feel thoroughly wrecked. I think... Yeah, five out of five for y'all, y'all. Yeah, if you want incredible. If you have your own thing that you want to wreck us with, definitely send it in at queerhistorypatreon at gmail.com. Also, we'll read your comments on the podcast. So if you don't have like the time email, just write a comment on our podcast wherever you're listening to it. I'd also definitely say, if you're emailing it in, if you could put in the subject line, wrecking the queers, just so we know that we can read it out. Yeah, we're excited to hear from you. Mm -hmm. For my little thing in Wrecking the Queers, I'm gonna wreck, in other words, recommend mm -hmm. uh, to you all a local person in Edmonton, actually. Yeah, and we've seen uh, them live a couple of times now. And it's really cool. Uh, their name is Nasra, mm -hmm. and they do a lot of really, really cool work. They're a black queer person. Mm -hmm. You can follow them on Instagram uh, under Nasra, that is N-A-S-R-A-A-D, mm -hmm. and they specifically do work with black art. Mm -hmm. So they have a festival. Mm -hmm. I, it was pretty recently yeah. uh, called Black Arts Matter. It was in Edmonton specifically. That's where we're from. And this is an Edmonton-based artist. And they won, have won a couple of spoken word poetry competitions. Mm -hmm. They were the spoken words laureate. Mm -hmm. They just in general do a lot of amazing things. They have, I think, a book or two out. Yeah. So you should definitely check that out. Um, we're just linking you to their Instagram right now, and you can probably find the rest linked from there. They do a lot of really, really cool things. Not only creating their own work, but also pushing others, creators, forward. Mm -hmm. And I feel like they can probably talk a lot better about their own work than I can talk about their work. Mm -hmm. But yeah, just watching them live a few times, they have this incredible, incredible energy that they just bring in with them. And it's so much fun to just watch and so emotional and so tied into everything they exist as. Mm -hmm. And they're one of those people that you can just can feel every word has a weight. Yeah. And every word is important. Yeah. And it's they they just do incredible work. Uh, so you can find Black Arts Matter. That's the festival that they are part of. Mm -hmm. On Instagram, Black Arts Matter underscore Y-E-G. Which is uh, another way of saying Edmonton. Yeah. And then they also run a project called Sister to Sister, Y-E-G, which is more about pushing forward specifically works made and done by black femme people. That would also be on Instagram, at Sister to Sister, Y-E-G. That's all one word. 
Okay, fantastic. So yeah, check out Nasra, check out the work they do, mm-hmm. and support them in any way you can. They also, like, we've gone to a couple other things, as we said, but they also do, like, some amazing audience participation. Like, I don't want to, like, spoil it, because, so, like, we I know some Edmontonians, like, listen to this, so you should definitely, like, check it out for yourself. But if you're not Edmonton, you should still check them out wherever you can. But either way, they do some audience participation, and it's, um some quality audience participation and just in general they're very like they're just amazing they're amazing and they're very tied to to the audience to the communities yeah and they really get people with them yeah and if you're in edmonton you've probably heard about them before and if you're not in edmonton this might be the first time you're hearing about them i don't know how like famous they are outside of edmonton but either way you should definitely check them out they're doing amazing work and it's not all edmonton based there's a lot of other things that you can participate in and yourself. If, if you're in Edmonton and you haven't heard of them before, go check them out. Yeah, go to just their see events. whatever event they're doing next and just be there because it's an experience. Like, spoken word is definitely something best experienced, in my opinion, live. Mm-hmm. And you should definitely... The spoken word community in Edmonton in, in general is it's just really fantastic. cool, yeah. So you should definitely check out Nazra. <laughs> All right, so before we go, I will remind you that we are on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter. Patreon, Twitter. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash queerhistory. Really easy to remember. You should definitely become a patron of our project if you want to keep seeing us around. Our um, website is makingqueerhistory.com. Exactly. Check you, that you, out. You can find all the links there, all our social media, a link to our Patreon, our email. Everything is there. We have a shop where we have a lot of amazing merch. Uh, you can definitely check a whole bunch of it out. You should because Dean is an incredible artist. I will say that a billion times over and it still won't have been said enough. But you can also email us to get yourself on Wrecking the Queers at queerhistorypatreon at gmail.com. So thank you all for listening. We really enjoyed this one. We're gonna just move into a write another podcast episode ourselves. So um, check out part two once you're done listening to this one. Exactly. It'll take a little while for people who weren't patrons to hear part two. That's fair. Check out part two as soon as it comes out. Yeah. All right. And remember, history is queerer than you think.
We have always existed and we are still here Telling the stories of those long dead We won't disappear We're taking the pen back into our own hands We live and we breathe and we keep creating Taking a stand History is clearer than you We hold our own future, we learn from the past They've tried to remove our legacy, but we are built to last So listen to the stories, cause they'll help us grow From Sappho to Frida Kahlo, there's always more to know History is queerer than you think Tomorrow we have been and will always be absolute.